welcome to the Book Akin podcast. I'm your host, Lily. Thank you for being here. So, what I've been thinking recently is that I want to do a series on breastfeeding. Um, there's so much to talk about with breastfeeding, and there are so many subjects to cover with breastfeeding. So, I thought it would probably be good if I did some solo podcasts like this one today, where I just cover a segment on something breastfeeding in particular, and we break it down that way um, so that it's easier also to navigate and find what it is you're looking for. So I just give you a quick background into myself. I'm a breastfeeder myself. I'm currently breastfeeding right now. My youngest daughter is uh, two, almost two and a half, so she's still breastfeeding. I have two children before her who breastfed long term. They're not breastfeeding anymore because they are big, <laughs> but I breastfed them long term. So my first child was breastfed until he was four, but he did try to continue to breastfeed until he was about four and a half. My second son breastfed until he was four and a half and he tried to continue until he was five. Um, so with my sons, I tandem fed. If you don't know what tandem feeding means, it basically just means breastfeeding more than one child. Um, that could mean of the same age, like twins or triplets, but it could also mean children of different age group. So in my case, with my sons, there's 22 months between them. It meant that I was breastfeeding my first son um, until he was 22 months solo. Then my second son was born and I continued to feed my first son and my second son until my second son weaned. So that meant that I was tandem feeding for about two years. Is that two, two and a half years? Then it went back to solo feeding because my first son had weaned for four and a half. And then I continued to feed my second son for another two years after that. So when you combine um, all the years of breastfeeding put together, I currently have around 11 years experience of breastfeeding, three children. Um, each different, each with different needs, each did it differently <laughs> and, and, and also did lots of things the same. Um, so... I feel like I have quite a lot to share in this area and I've gained quite a amount of experience um, and I would love to pass that on to others. So what I was thinking today in this segment was that I would cover um, pot potential problems that arise that are really, really common, especially with first babies. And one of those problems is called mastitis. So I had this problem myself with my first baby and only with my first baby. Um, it's a comp it, it, it's kind of a complicated thing because if you read um, if you read books on the subject or you look up the subject online, you'll you'll get you'll get varying degrees of information about why you can get mastitis. Um, so in my experience, what I found was. One thing seems to be quite universally true, and that is that being tired and being burnt out and worn down is definitely not helpful. But I, my experiences tell me it's not actually 
the factor of why mastitis happens. But it definitely um, is sort of like if you're in a position where mastitis is going to happen and then you become really burnt down and you're really tired, it, it almost acts like a trigger switch that, that it makes it happen. But I really don't think it's actually the cause. That's that's my opinion. Um, my two instances of mastitis are actually slightly unusual, um, not something you commonly read about. So uh, one of the first times I had mastitis, it was because I had had an osteopathic treatment where I had laid, I'd been asked to lay on my stomach. I th- I can't remember exactly how old my son was. He was quite young. So I was in the, in the phase of being engorged and quite sore. And my breasts were sort of, it's when your breasts are always full up with milk in those early, you know, those early weeks, early months. Um, and the osteopath, as absolutely brilliant as he was, um, his job, he really shouldn't have ever have had me lay on my stomach. And I was laying on my stomach, on my breasts for about half an hour. And I noticed as soon as I'd left the the clinic that I started to feel a bit, I, I felt off. And then as the day went on, I started to feel ill. And as the day went on a bit further, I started to feel more unwell. And then that sort of turned into feeling like I had really bad flu, although it was far worse than that. Um, and by the evening, I was rested up in bed and I I literally, I couldn't move. I was, I was absolutely as sick as a dog. Um, and I didn't quite understand. Even at that point, I didn't understand what was happening. I just thought I had caught a cold that day while I'd been out and, you know, and I was ill. Um, but it was only when my son, during that time that I was in bed, he um, was my husband was bringing him to me to breastfeed and he would I start to breastfeed on my, it was my left breast um, that was posing the problem and I felt this real tenderness and um, and he would feed from it and I it was almost excruciating actually you know it was very very difficult to let him carry on feeding from it the tugging feels it was really painful um, and then I noticed that what was coming out of my nipple was blood, um, which immediately let, told me it all clicked. It all fell together then. Um, I don't know why it took me so long to realize, but my first baby, first time and all that. And then I realized, ah, I've got mastitis. Um, so I started having herbal teas and just, you know, my husband was looking after my son and uh, bringing him to me for feeds. And um, I just started working towards basically <clears throat> trying to get out of that illness without having to contact the, the doctor to get antibiotics because that was absolute last thing I wanted to do was to have antibiotics. So I called upon all my nutritional and herbal knowledge um, and started to work there with those things. But I'll be honest with you, the two things that worked for me that worked for me so quickly and I knew it was those things that were working for me was one was having my son feed from that breast as much as humanly possible so as much as I could get him on there feeding from me as much as he'd take it and also trying to balance out him feeding from the other breast because I didn't want to leave the other breast unfed from so that it became engorged and a problem 
you know, arise there. But I would get him on that breast as uncomfortable and painful as it was. I knew that it was healing by him feeding from it. And I just want to add, it's perfectly safe for them to feed from your breast that is the problem, that has the lump, the, the that has a, a lump in it, um, that's basically a clogged, uh, it's, it's, it's a clogged duct. And it, it's perfectly fine for them to feed and it is perfectly fine for them to feed even if there's blood coming out the nipple. They don't notice, they don't care, it doesn't make any difference, it's not dangerous, it's perfectly safe. So I continued to let him feed from that breast and... Um, over time, it was probably the next morning, I think the blood had stopped, I didn't really have any blood in there anymore, and I could already feel um, great relief in that breast. But the other thing I did, and this I feel like was maybe almost as important as my son feeding from me, which is the most important thing, which is the place where most ladies go wrong. So they get mastitis and it's so painful and they can't have the baby on it and then they might have advice from other people saying, oh, no, don't let them feed from that breast anymore. You know, you're too over. And they get all this terrible advice and they don't. Um, and then they feel, especially if you're feeling really ill from it and, you know, you've got a fever. It just, it's sort of, you know, knock on effect of making everything worse by not having baby come to feed from that breast that is the one that's causing the problem. So that is key. Just keep letting baby feed from that breast as much as you can. Um, as much as you can tolerate and even if it's little intervals even if babe will only feed from it you know for like five minutes it, it doesn't matter just get the baby on it feeding from it as much as possible because you want um, the feeding the sucking the stimulating of milk that's what's going to clear the blockage so you don't want to stop using that breast and just you just have to grin and bear it to be honest with you so the second thing that was incredibly helpful to me was that I had um, one of those electric massages, the ones that you plug in and use, you know, you would use like on your sore muscles and your back, whatever. Um, my one is quite a powerful one. I think it was, it's made in Japan. I don't think they make them anymore. It was actually given to me by my mum. It's a very old model and it is absolutely excellent. And I'll be honest, I've not seen anything come up to standard that's made now but maybe there is so get the massager on the breast um, do it on a low speed <clears throat> avoid your actual nipple and you basically just do that for about 10 minutes you run you rub run and rub the, the massager over your breast the same way you would your back or your leg or whatever it is you would normally use it for so do that for five or ten minutes um intervals i was doing it for longer than that um but you'll get the sense you'll get a feeling of what's too long what's not and when you've had enough and when your breast has had enough you'll feel it um but just do do that and do that frequently so do on the first instance of having mastitis or if you suspect you've got it I would get the massage on your breast immediately that would be one of the first things I do then I get the baby feeding as much as possible that would be the second thing um, so you just keep doing that throughout the day and you would just do it as much as you can um, you know every hour every couple of hours as much as you can and then you would continue to do that the next day, the next day, until you felt your breast and you could feel the lump had dispersed and you can feel that there's no tenderness there anymore. If you had blood, there's no blood there anymore. 
Um, if you did feel a lump, you should not be able to feel a lump anymore and your breast should feel pliable and comfortable for you to squeeze gently. So that's that's the place you want to get to and it's not until you get to that point that you stop using the massager. So use that massager until you reach that point. And I promise you, you will not believe what a godsend <laughs> one of those massages are. Um, it just saved my bacon, you know, countless times because although I had mastitis twice, first time was what I've just explained. The second time I was just getting to the brink of being unwell. But it's funny because once you've had it once and once you've had that feeling in your breast once or you've had that, you can feel that sort of lump in your breast once. Once that's happened to you, you seem to have a sixth sense when it's going to happen again. And you, you and the more, you know, the more it happens, the more quickly you realize it's happening and the, the faster you sort of nip it in the bud before anything even arises. So these, this has happened to me quite a few times over the years of breastfeeding but it never ever got to it never got past to the point where I just put the breast the the massager on it um where it was I did that like three times in a day and it was gone that feeling in my breast where it was it I started to feel there was a little bit hard in there now for me it was never because um my children didn't feed enough because I've always fed my children um on cue so I, I, I never done scheduled feeding. Um, I've never withheld or, or told them no or, you know, thought, no, they're not having that because they're going to be eating their food or whatever. They've, it, it's always been free reign for them to have a breastfeed whenever they want breastfeeding. So for me, and also I had two children breastfeeding from me. So I was always breastfeeding all the time. Um, so for me, it was never because my breasts weren't used. I was also a stay-at-home mum, so I wasn't pumping and I wasn't away for long hours of my breasts not being used either. For me, it was different reasons. And maybe as these, um, as I do these segments, I will cover or throw in a bit more information into certain things I found to be triggers. Um, but today it was really just this segment is just really about if you feel that coming on, they're the two things that are really, really, really important. And I highly suggest you do them. Um, also, I want to mention that when, if that's occurring and you have, you feel like mastitis is coming on, um, it's a good idea if you wear bras. Um, I don't wear bras personally I haven't worn bras for gosh I don't know my late teens I think was the last time I ever wore a bra um, but if you wear bras or if you wear tight sports tops you might find that that is a contributory factor if you're getting these blockages in your breasts that will then eventually um, make their way into becoming a mastitis type problem for you so maybe think about that as well that especially if you're in this in that stage you don't want anything tight around your breasts under your breasts or under your armpits around your arms so you want all you want all of that area to be um, so that the blood and your lymphatic system has um, flow a good flow nothing's restricting that area so make sure you're not wearing anything tight um yeah so that that's that's 
quite it's amazing to me actually how common that can be a problem just wearing tight fitting clothes I have worn a sports top which was organic cotton and I felt that it was fairly loose and and a good top and um after I had been wearing this for a few hours one day, I could feel already that this left breast that seems to always be a trigger breast for me. I never get any problems in the right one. It's always the left one. Um, I could feel it playing up and I just knew it was the top that I had on. And to me, it didn't feel like a very tight, it didn't feel like it was too tight. So, um, you know, off that came, <laughs> out the massager came and I got it on the breast and that was that. Um, and I didn't wear that again. So it, it's, I just th think that um, there are really simple reasons why we can end up with lumps in our breasts in this way when we're breastfeeding. And it's sometimes, it, it's so simple. It's right in the, you know, it's right at the end of our noses, but for some reason we just seem to miss it. Um, but anyway, I'm going to finish now. Um, there's my two top tips today is if you don't have a massager and you're breastfeeding or you're newly breastfeeding or you're going to be breastfeeding um I would or you get breast problems you've you've already had breast problems you know you've got anything I've been talking about I would highly suggest that you buy yourself a massager it doesn't have to be anything expensive it just has to have a good amount of rev on it um because what basically what it's doing I'll just quickly explain what it's doing. So the the revs on your breast are causing vibration. The vibration is going into the area that's clogged. That area is clogged full of um, milk and your the fat in your milk that's become quite solid. And you just, it's basically like the vibration is, it's a bit like putting, you know, something solid in a, in a blender and blending it. Um, those vibrations and the blades will break that all up um, into liquid and make it smooth like a smoothie. So if you think of your duct that way that you've got these ingredients in there and some of them are a bit lumpy and they can't get they can't get through um, they can't get through the the tunnels <laughs> because they're too large. They, it all needs to be shook up and broken down or it's curdled if you want to look at it like that. And so what the massager does is, is that it's a bit like a, if you look, if you will, it's a little bit like a blender. So it's breaking all that up um, and making it much smaller particles um, to be mixed with the milk. It's breaking it all down um, so that it can be, it can, it's fast flowing. It can go where it needs to flow, where it needs to go. Um, so that's the idea of the massager and it works. It truly, truly works. Um, in the Lelech League handbook, breastfeeding handbook, there's something in the suggestion that um, using ultrasound, using an ultrasound machine actually helps. Now, I wouldn't personally recommend that because of all the radiation and the EMFs that come from, from the ultrasound machines. So I wouldn't want that all over my breasts, to be honest. But the reason that the ultrasound works is because it actually has vibrations um, that go deep into the breast tissue and break up all, all of the stuff that's clogged. Um, but you can achieve exactly the same thing from a massager. So I recommend you get a massager, um, have a massager on hand if you feel like you're prone to these problems or you're worried you might be. Um, 
and just keep that to hand and you will never regret it. And it's one of the easiest, cheapest commodities to have on hand to help you through your breastfeeding in the beginning. So anyway, with that, I am going to finish this segment. I hope that was helpful and I'll be back to do more on different subjects of breastfeeding. So thank you for listening. Hope that you'll tune in soon. Bye for now.